Hey friends, welcome back to Diary of a Psychic Medium with me, Amber Amrine. Today we're going to go back to the fairy realm, but this time focusing on water fairies, specifically merpeople. They are a mysterious, seductive, wise, transformative group that can help us connect to our intuition, our true desires to align with the path of freedom and prosperity, and just overall become more fluid and balanced in our approach to life. Here we go. Merpeople are water fairies, so everyone's venture into their realm will be very unique and personal. I'm going to go opposite than what I normally do and start with my story, tiptoeing into the realm of mermaids, and then expand and dive deeper in after. As you'll find out, they like keeping the mystery alive, so it's no surprise that they're asking me to structure it this way so they can hold on to that mystery as long as possible. <laughs> Mer people personify the energy of the water. I have had a love-hate relationship with water all my life, so it's been a very long journey connecting with them. I've always had a fear of water. When I was a baby and my parents would bathe me, if the water touched my face or if they were washing my hair, I would act like I couldn't breathe. I would start breathing like... <laughs> start breathing all weird. So it goes deep. It's been from the beginning. As I got to be about three or four, I became obsessed with Ariel the Little Mermaid. I would stand on tables and give full performances of her songs. I didn't learn to swim until I was about eight, which was late in relation to my classmates. I was scared of the pool, thinking there was a shark in it. I was even scared of taking a bath or shower because I thought the bottom would open up into a pool of sharks like an Austin Powers. So it goes without saying that swimming in lakes and rivers was absolutely terrifying for me and was even worse for the ocean. Any documentaries even about the ocean and ocean life freaked me out. Absolutely. <laughs> I had this inner struggle between wanting to be a mermaid and not wanting anything to do with water. My childhood friend Izzy and I would get these really clear memories of being on the Titanic together as a newlywed couple in a past life. We would talk about it a lot like, oh, remember you were grabbing my hand and then I tripped and then the other person would say, oh yeah, and then I saw whatever, blah, blah. <laughs> it was surprisingly very clear. We both died and drowned in the ocean due to it, so I always assumed that experience was why I had such a reaction to water. Past life traumas can make a significant impact on other lifetimes. If I went to a beach or a lake, I would keep my eyes peeled on the water or the rocks and stuff around, but I wasn't sure how I would be able to see a mermaid since I didn't want to explore the water. When I was about seven or eight, my childhood friend that I've mentioned before that was also very connected to fairies went to Yosemite. She told me that one of the days they were there, they were walking towards a lake and saw a little being on a rock, which they assumed was a lizard at first. It was like six inches long. As they got closer, they saw it sit up and look at them, and they realized that it looked like a little person. <laughs> they assumed it was a fairy. So they were approaching very slowly so as not to scare it. They got close enough to see that it had a fish tail, but then it slipped into the water causing a little splash. They ran over and saw that it had left this like iridescent goo on the rock where it had been laying. Kind of like pixie dust but wet. Her mom called it mermaid goo so 
Anytime I was near a body of water, I searched tirelessly for some mermaid goo, hoping that I would find a mermaid outside of the water, but I never found any at all. (laughs) About five years ago, my boyfriend and I were hiking in Malibu Creek State Park. The hike starts at this swimming area that has rocks on all sides, so you have to transverse the rocks, and then the rest of the hike basically consists of climbing over big boulders while this creek runs through the center of it all. So a few miles in, we noticed a tiny little footprint in the sand. It was probably about three inches long. It was a perfect footprint right where the water, well, just right before the water and the sand meet. So it was where the sand was still a little bit damp. There was only one, one foot. (laughs) My boyfriend joked that it was from a baby, but there's no way somebody would bring a baby in there. I mean, they could, but it would be very dangerous and difficult. But also, there weren't any other footprints. You could see some on the trail, but there was nothing around that area at all whatsoever. I automatically thought it was a fairy, so I immediately started my hunt for mermaid goo. (laughs) I didn't find any, but I left it a little shell and some nuts, just in case. A few months after this, my friend called me for a reading. I don't remember the details of the situation, but she somehow got in touch with this merman that wasn't leaving her alone. She would just get these visuals of it staring at her and not saying anything, which is why she was asking me for help. It just was there all the time. She could feel it. It made her uncomfortable. She didn't know what it wanted. This merman looked kind of similar to the creature from the Black Lagoon. When I'd connect to him, I would see the ocean all around, very still waters, no land in sight. His head was popping out the surface of the water like a hundred feet away, and he would stare at me. When he spoke, he wouldn't move his mouth, but instead just communicated telepathically. He had a very round head with these frilly gill structures on either side. He didn't have hair, but more of those like bumpy, frilly structures on his head. Probably about three of them running from the top of his forehead to the back of his neck where there was like one big one in the center and then two smaller ones on either side. His ears looked like dents in his head, like little circles, like how lizards do, specifically bearded dragons. Those are the only lizards I know well. I don't know if all lizards have the same kind of ears, but that's what it looked like. And then the colors of his skin were shades of blues, greens, and grays. He had nostrils that were a bit wide, but the bridge of his nose was very flat. He had two little eyebrow structures that were again a bit bumpy looking, and then two eyes. The colored area and pupil took up a majority of the eye, and then there was like a bit of gray on the sides where the whites of our eyes are. I can't remember what color his eyes were, but I want to say a deep gray, purpley kind of color. His energy made me very uncomfortable and didn't sit right with me. It just felt loud, staticky, just very suspicious. He clearly felt the same way about me, which is why he kept his distance. He would answer her questions and communicate, and after a while, he would start to appear closer to me, so I was able to kind of make out more of his details. Over time, the uncomfortability slowly began to ease as our energies kind of acclimated to each other, and he actually began coming to me randomly just to connect and to be friends. He was very curious about humans. As we became more friendly, he kind of started to show me more of his body. He was humanoid, so had our general structure. His forearms had little fins on the sides. He had webbed hands, 
His arms and the back of his hands were speckled with like dark gray and black spots. And then his back had more of those little bumpy frilly structures, again with one big one down the middle and two smaller ones on either side. He was able to change his legs, interestingly enough, so he could go from having two legs to combining them and having a giant tail with his feet combined. His legs or tail had more of those fin structure things on the sides. His feet were very wide at the top, but instead of having short stubby toes like us, his were very long, a lot thinner, and a lot more spread out so that the webbing took up a majority of the space. He also had more of those little speckles on his legs, but not as many. After a few months, I was talking to him and he just swam away (laughs) after our conversation and I never saw him again. So he learned what he wanted from me and moved on. It was just a little ending. About a year ago, I was talking to another friend of mine and we were just exploring past lives that we've had together. And I had a memory come up of a lifetime we had shared where I had drowned. I was pretty young, probably between 11 and 13. We were playing by a creek when I fell in and hit my head really hard on a rock. Everything went black for a moment, so I guess my body went into shock, but I, was, I wasn't unconscious. I was still kind of aware of everything around me. I began drowning, but since my body was kind of in shock, I couldn't really move or respond to it. It all seemed to be moving in slow motion. I could hear people screaming above the water for me, but I wasn't conscious enough to understand what they were saying or what was happening. I saw the sun glistening down to the depths of the water and kind of playing on the movement of it as the water moved. Everything was very quiet and still. It was actually incredibly beautiful and peaceful. I can't tell if they were able to save me or if I ended up passing away. All I see after is like this glowing light, but it doesn't feel indefinite, if that makes sense. But anyways, having that memory pop up was actually very healing for me and made me a lot less weary of water. It was about time. (laughs) It was at that point that a flood of mermaid energy began to come in. I started connecting to them a lot, even using their energy to actually influence my dance choreography, which has allowed me to get to know their energy better. It's been a fun little journey. (laughs) Mermaids and water spirits are typically viewed in a dangerous, untrustworthy light because, A, they're mysterious and don't let people in that easily, so that will naturally birth a lot of misunderstanding, and B, a lot of the old tales that have shaped our perspective of them were created in an effort to discourage children from playing near the water, so they're scary on purpose. But then, at the same time, if you are messing with the water they will not like you. (laughs) So you may not have a good story about them. Anywho, as with any fairy being, mermaids are neither good nor bad. They lie in the in-between. So there's good qualities in the bad ones and bad qualities in the good ones. They are incredibly fluid beings, which has created a lot of confusion about how they work because we are such physical beings and they work very differently. Water is such a critical element for the survival of earth beings. It has the power to give life and take it away. It is not a force to mess with. So, as such, the beings that represent water are also ones that require respect. They will also kind of hold those qualities. 
Smaller bodies of water, like streams, puddles, and raindrops, birth more lighthearted fairies, while larger bodies of water, such as oceans and lakes, will house more profound ones, such as the merfolk. Merpeople are great at warning us of coming danger, specifically like in the water, and are great at protecting sacred areas. They're also nice friends to have around to bring healing and transformation our way. As with any fairy, they typically keep to themselves unless a relationship and trust has been like thoroughly established. Merpeople specifically can be found in the oceans, rivers, and lakes, although lakes are a little bit more rare. But any bit of water can actually act as a gateway to connect to them. So your bathtub, your cup of water, whatever it is. Just like with other fairies, they like quiet, secluded areas. So like a random park will be home to, you know, a bunch of different fairy beings. But the chance of them being comfortable enough to physically manifest is very minimal in comparison to the likelihood of it happening in the middle of the forest. So the same rule kind of applies to mermaids and merpeople. So if it's a highly busy area, you know, they probably won't show themselves. Fairies connected to earth and air are a little bit easier for us, or at least me, (laughs) to feel comfortable with, while those in water may feel a bit more foreign. We talked about this in the fairy episode, but fairies in different states, countries, etc. will feel different than those from your home. There are different cultures, mannerisms, and energies present in the different areas of Earth, which is also reflected in the realm of the Fae. So I don't personally spend my entire day out on the ocean, so our energies aren't aligned to the same environment, making their energy feel a little weird to me. If you do spend your day out in the middle of the ocean, then it'll feel a lot more comfortable because you're in tune with the energy of that area. Merpeople are very enchanting due to their fluid nature. Everything just feels so silky and almost like puts you in this trance. This goes for all fairies, but again, adding that foreign element to it, especially because we don't live in the water, will make it more difficult to stay present and not lose yourself in the energy, not fully like become enchanted and entranced by them. So it's important to only venture as is comfortable. Over time, you'll build, like, an immunity towards it since you will have acclimated, so it won't be as much of an issue. But in the beginning, don't push it. Just go until you feel comfortable. They're relatively peaceful beings. They don't like conflict, which is part of the reason they just keep to themselves and rarely make contact. If they are physically present in an area, a human stumbles upon that area, and they're feeling playful, they'll allow the human to see them for a little bit or give them some kind of little show. (laughs) They are mischievous, so they may cause little issues to go wrong on ships and such to create a stir or a scare, but they don't typically go out of their way to cause disaster or hurt us. They can, but they don't usually waste their time messing with humans unless we're in an area we aren't supposed to be in or we have disrespected them, the ocean, the ocean's beings in some way. If anything, they'll actually try to help warn us about coming danger, as I said before. They're also known to comfort those that are drowning so that the process is nice and peaceful for them. They typically spend their days tidying up the energy of the body of water they are in. They are an extension of water, so moving things and causing events to occur within it are important to the dynamics and cycles of the water and the life in it. I've seen mermaids portray themselves in very different ways. I've seen some that look more similar to how we think of them with very human, like, upper body and a tail. Others I have seen are very pale with large blue aqua eyes without hair and, like, the tail of an eel. 
They can also disguise themselves as other objects or animals in the water. So a good way to begin connecting with them or opening up to their energy is to just imagine that there are mermaids about when you're outside in some kind of water source and approach the animals and objects around you in the river, lake, or ocean from a place of love and respect. You can even talk to them. Just welcome them around you. If you see one that is exceptionally beautiful and you can't focus, one that has black hair, pale green skin, and spiky teeth, or just looks very threatening looking, (laughs) don't talk to it. Stop the connection and reset. They are fairies, so can change their appearance to fit how they're feeling. So if you feel uneasy and they look threatening or overly mesmerizing, just leave them alone. usually a sign they're not in the best mood. You can warm their hearts through little offerings, but until you really get your footing in with how their energy works with you, because it'll be different for everyone, I would just leave it alone and connect to another one later. One thing I have noticed is many don't verbally communicate, but use telepathy or communicate through feelings instead. There's a mermaid named Agmundi that has been helping me with this episode, (laughs) and she said that verbally talking takes a lot more effort, so it's easier not to. They like music a lot, so you may also hear a lot of music and singing when connecting with them, but those frequencies are usually coming from their energy body rather than their mouths, if that makes sense. Their energy is incredibly silky and like feels like a song within itself, so it'll, it'll be very loud. You can like hear it a lot of times. Not always, but sometimes. (laughs) Though mermaids tend to avoid humans, they still have quite a curiosity about us and our world, which is why over time they will be willing to become friends with us. However, there also needs to be some mystery on your end so that they don't take advantage of you. You don't want to give them all of your information about yourself as this can result in them having some power over you. They can hold stuff against you, use things to mess with you, try to get you lost or confused, etc which is not a position you want to be in. (laughs) Dealing with fairies is always quite a riddle. (laughs) So just mirror as much information as they're giving you. If a mermaid doesn't give you their name, don't tell them yours. It's a different culture, so that's a sign that they don't trust you and may try to mess with you, so you don't need to give them more. You know what I'm saying? The same holds true for ones that give too much information. In that case, they're just trying to trick you to to like open up to them and give you everything but that's just a facade they're not actually giving you truthful information so again you just want to give them a little bit but not everything a mermaid that honestly wants to make a connection with you will take their time in getting to know you and sharing information you will not become best buddies overnight it's going to take quite a span of time to really get that trust going merpeople are very connected to the moon's energy The moon affects the ocean's tides, so there's a deep connection and partnership with the moon. That being said, connecting to them at night is preferable, whether that be taking a bath at night and setting the intention to connect. I'll go into more specific methods of how to do that in a second. Or literally going to a body of water at night. They hold a ton of wisdom and knowledge, so connecting with them usually requires you to have your hearts and minds open to them. With fairies, they kind of connect through our heart chakra, you know, so you want to stay nice and open. But with mermaids, you also have to have your mind open. They want playful but intelligent conversations. So the more that you can really just be present and given stuff, you know, the more that they'll want to connect with you again. They're very useful guides to have when astral traveling. 
As you begin connecting to them more, it's very common to begin seeing a person when you're astral projecting. It just goes with their nature. They're very, very much in tune with the astral plane. Just as with any fairy, they could be straying you away from where you're actually trying to go when you're astral projecting, so follow with caution. I would say only trust those that you have communicated with before or formed a bond with because, again, they are fairies and that's what they do. (laughs) Because of their mischievous nature, it's important to protect yourself and set clear boundaries before connecting with one. This goes for connecting with any being or doing any type of energy work, but more so especially if a being is not of a pure light and love frequency, such as extraterrestrials, fairies, ghosts, etc. You just want to make sure you do this so that your energy stays safe, you don't get any weird latch-ons, etc. There are a few ways to do this. You can use protective bubbles, which are my favorite. So just imagine a gold sparkling light coming from your heart chakra and enveloping your body. That gold sparkling frequency is of a very high vibration, so only pure light beings will be able to be in your immediate field. Ask your guides to only allow energy beings in that won't harm you in any way and hold your best interest at heart. Guides are often at the gate of your field, allowing only certain beings in, so you just want to make sure you are clear about what you want so you're all on the same page. You also want to give your guides permission to interfere and stop the connection if they sense any issues. Remember, we have free will, so guides can't jump in and interfere all willy-nilly. We have to give them permission. Other things you can do are have a protective crystal with you, such as black tourmaline. If you have multiple black tourmalines or protective crystals, you can put them on the ground in a circle around you to reinforce your personal sacred space. Having multiples of three is always good, so you can put like three in a triangle around your feet or have six to make a circle. Cleanse yourself and your space with a cleansing botanical, such as sage, cedar, rosemary, or lavender by using bells or chimes, or by using water, so taking a bath or shower with a focus on the water, pulling out any heavy energy or any energy that is not yours. You can cleanse both before and after connecting, but after is the most important to make sure you remove anything that may have, that may be lingering. It's also a good idea to only connect when you're in a clear, balanced headspace to ensure that you are present and in control of the exchange. So just to recap, Place your protective bubble, talk to your guides, set all the rules, cleanse your space if you want, connect, and then cleanse yourself and your space. There are many ways to connect with more people and their energy. You can begin the process by trying to gain some kind of trust with them by taking measures to help tidy up our beaches and the oceans. Before connecting with them, you want to have an offering ready, nothing that will pollute the water. In their culture, it shows respect that you respect them, their wisdom, and their time. It can be herbs, flowers, seaweed, shells. You can even have something that you energetically give them or dedicate to them, such as jewelry, a stone that represents the ocean or its colors, anything shiny, coins, drawings of them, etc. Again, do not put anything weird in the water. They will not accept pollution. (laughs) They are energetic beings, so won't take the physical object, but will take the essence of it instead. This is why just dedicating something to them is totally fine. All right, so to connect, you want to meditate by the water, give them an offering, and ask to be invited into their realm. More specifically, if you are near an ocean, stand where the sand and the water meet, You want to breathe with the waves, so inhale as they come to you. 
exhale as they pull away. If you're at a smaller body of water or just at home taking a bath or shower, then just sit in the water and focus on your breath. You want to go deep in a deep meditative state, almost to like this trance-like place. That's why the ocean is nice, because you can really fall into the sound of the waves. Heck, to recreate that, you can probably just even go on YouTube and (laughs) play the sound while you meditate. Visualize yourself at the beach, looking at the ocean in front of you. From here, you have two options. Either imagine a merperson popping their head out of the water and swimming towards you to greet you, or imagine you're walking down into the ocean, so you're staying connected to the ocean floor, until you come upon an area with merpeople and see a merperson come and greet you. If you hear any music or singing along this journey, don't let it distract you. Just keep focused on why you're there. Once the connection has been established with this merperson, give them your offering. This is important because they want their offering first. (laughs) Then ask if you could be invited into their realm. If they accept, you are free to continue your exploration or have a conversation with them. If they, like, shut you out and don't allow you to come any further, totally fine. Just try again another time. It may take a few tries. It may not. They may also have conditions you have to meet before they allow you in. Once you've been accepted into their realm, you don't have to go through this whole meditation to connect with them every time. You can just think of them or their energy in a meditative state and it'll bring them forth. Just remember to have an offering ready for them. To continue growing and strengthening your bond, you can practice astral projecting to their world, become inspired by them, write, draw, dance, create music. They like to be amused. This is also something you can dedicate to them to strengthen that connection. Surround yourself with things that remind you of the ocean or water in general, such as shells, stones, etc. Be sure that it's something that is also okay for the ocean, so don't use animals that were killed for decoration like starfish or pufferfish. They will not like that. (laughs) Also, connect with the water around you as much as you can. Not necessarily going to the ocean every day, but connecting with any water that comes into your grasp. Water responds to our words and intentions, so before drinking water, you can thank it for nourishing your body. When taking a shower or a bath, thank the water for cleansing you. Water is a very powerful tool and changes structure when we put a specific intention or energy into it. It does need activation to align with what you want it to, which is why verbalizing something to it is so beneficial. Otherwise, it'll only give off the energy of the last place it was at or people it was around, which will make it become a bit inactive and bland. So communicate with your water, create that friendship. You can even go outside and dance in the rain or talk to the rain. Thank it for blessing your environment. Whatever it is, just interact with water and you will begin adopting more mermaid energy. As Agmundi told me, water covers earth for a reason. It is a blanket of life. Connecting with water connects you to pure source energy to get that healthy key flowing into your body. It also has its own mechanics to create portals and doorways to other realms and worlds of water. It's like a telephone line, basically, to other areas of consciousness in the entire universe, which is really cool. (laughs) That being said, as you grow your connection with the merpeople, you can actually use any little puddle or glass of water, big or small, to open a portal to their realm to begin connecting with them more. You can open the portal by ringing bells or putting your hands over the water and setting the intention that you're connecting with the merpeople, that it's like a window to their realm. From here, give them your offering and have your conversation. 
Once you're done connecting with them, make sure you close the portal by again ringing the bells or putting your hands over the water with the intention of closing it. Just as a reminder, be sure to put your protective bubble and boundaries on before doing this. As you create a bond with them, you can invite them in to play in your bath or pool or even connect to them while you're taking a bath or going for a swim and astral project to go on an adventure with them or just feel their energy around. Over the course of creating this episode, I've actually been setting the intention before bed to connect to their realm so that I could download whatever information they wanted me to include in this I've been waking up feeling a little confused, (laughs) like I've been exploring and processing and thinking a lot. So it definitely works. (laughs) It's a great way to acclimate to their energy and grow that relationship with them a bit. So highly recommend it. This is random, but they like mirrors, especially if you hold it in the water in the light. So that's always a fun trick to keep them interested. (laughs) Some signs to look out for that there is mermaid energy around you trying to connect to you include having random droplets of water hitting you out of nowhere, hearing things like music, singing, humming, or water running, all of which would not be in your immediate surroundings, like it's coming from an energetic source, hearing things get a bit echoey, whether it be your voice or the sounds around you, seeing flashes of light, typically blue, white, or aqua colors, having a thought of them popping up in your mind, or just feeling their energy around. At that point, you can try to connect with them through meditation or find an area of water around you to create your little portal thing and see what they have to tell you. All in all, people are a wonderful group of friends to have, but it does take work to establish a relationship with them. Once they let you in, they trust you and will do what they can to help you, so they'll expect that back from you in return. Their energy is so special there's just something about it that like ah it just changes the way you go about your day by day if you need help with healing or are going through a big transition they are excellent guides to help you maneuver that again everyone's venture into the fairy realm is different so i've just scratched the surface here as an introduction but i look forward to hearing more about your journey with more people feel free to connect with me on instagram at channel with amber and let me know I love hearing stories about how people's, like, connections are growing and new ones that they've made and all that good stuff, so don't be shy. (laughs) I hope you are all well. I love you all dearly. (laughs) I am grateful for you for being here and listening to my words, and I look forward to next time. Thanks for listening to Diary of a Psychic Medium with me, Amber Amrine. To learn more about what I do, visit channelwithamber.com. For future updates on the show, to give some feedback on future episodes, or to just connect, follow me on Instagram at channelwithamber. Shout out to Unicorn Heads for my theme song, A Mystical Experience. See you next time.